we open on the dawn of man. Two warring ape tribes are battling for dominance of the watering hole. This is a life or death moment where only one tribe will succeed. Therefore, when one tribe uses bones to attack, they conquer with overwhelming power because of their discovery of tools. In celebration, one joyously throws their bone in the air. We hold onto the shot of the bone mid-flight and witness it transform into a spaceship. Four million years in the future. This is known as one of the greatest cuts of all time. So the big question is, what else is there? In this episode, we break down some of our favorite cuts of all time, some of the best we've seen this year, and the ones that we love from our own editing work. It is so cool that literally with one cut, there's so much meaning ingrained in it. So much interpretation, so many really interesting ideas just because of a single cut. We dissect how one cut can ripple across an entire movie and even into our own personal lives. Being able to see one edit and say, oh, somebody else has that exact same somebody experience. Somebody else understands that experience. Yeah. Huge thanks to Stir for sponsoring this episode, but more on that later. And also, we're going to play a little bit of the game. Okay, tell me about the game. So we already know that I like to talk about YouTube a lot. I mean, that, of course, that's the camp that I'm in. But yep. we are also trying to install this podcast has the variety and conversations of all aspects of traditional media and web media as well. And so we need to put a bit of a leash on me. <laughs> if I twist this conversation, hey, let me talk to you about YouTube. Let me talk about YouTube. I owe you $100 every time I force a conversation about Wait, YouTube. Wait, but here's the thing though, because if you're going to be talking about your favorite cuts, mm. you might I mean, kind of have, you should be able to talk about YouTube in that section. That Yes, that's the exception. Yeah. So, but leading up to that conversation, I'm not allowed to talk about YouTube. Yep. So we've talked a lot about industry. We've talked a lot about being professionals. We've talked a lot about how to communicate with clients. We talk about our opinions on the industry, but this is an editing podcast. Not just the industry, we need to talk about creativity. Absolutely. We would like to talk about what inspires us, what we consider to be some of the great cuts, great films in general, and then also how's that influencing us? Yeah. And so let me ask you a very, very important question because I think this summarizes everyone's style and personality on editing. But for you, in everything that you watch, from movie, from TV, to web media. <laughs> Wait, so is it the word YouTube? Is that what, is that the ground rules? I think we should, maybe <laughs> that's so. that the word. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, what is the greatest cut you have ever seen? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. It's such a great question though. It lends to what do you value and what's actually important to you about media about storytelling like what is that thing i honestly was thinking about i was going between there's an amazing moment in 12 years a slave and there's an amazing moment in uh no country for old men mm -hmm. but i think that they actually go together so i'm going to talk about both if that's okay i'm kind of breaking the rules a little bit breaking rules a little bit but, I, <laughs> I'm, gonna but talk about both. I'm interested because i have it's been a while since i've seen those movies i remember yeah. how they made me feel yep. but i don't particularly remember the movies yep. and so I'm, I'm interested to be reminded of what well, what happened in them so right 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 so i'm gonna start with no country for old men it's basically a guy going on a rampage making his decisions depending on a coin flip and so that is the entire movie and then my favorite cut is this moment where we're at the climactic scene where we've already seen what he does. He either kills people or he doesn't kill people based on a coin flip. And so we flip a coin 
is the best I can do. God. And what's so cool is what we cut to once we cut out of the scene. Instead of, you know, just moving on with the story, we cut to a very monotonous shot. We cut to him standing outside the house where he was. And we don't know what happened in that scene. We don't know if this woman that he was talking to lives or dies. And he walks out onto the porch, checks his shoes, which is a little bit of a callback to an earlier scene, which will help you give you a clue as to what happened. But he checks his shoes and then just walks out of the porch and just into the street. And what's interesting about that is normally that would never be included in a film. That's boring, right? It's just seeing a character walk from point A to point B. But because of the moment where that clip was placed, it all of a sudden becomes so significant. Well, I got here the same way that Colin did. Because right when that happens, your brain is all of a sudden activated. And you start to think. You start to ask questions. You're like, okay, why did we do that? That's weird. The cut starts to stick out like a sore thumb. And then another thing I want to talk about is the sound. So the sound is completely realistic. There's nothing informing you what to feel. So that gives you so much space to just be able to think as an audience member. You start asking questions. Okay, why are we showing this? What happened in the scene before? And um, it really just gives you an opportunity to start thinking critically instead of being told what you're supposed to feel. So I think lots of movies, they say, okay, here's this music cue, here's this emotional moment. And instead of that, they pull it back and do the exact opposite, where they just say, this is reality, this is life. You don't know if the hero wins, you don't know if the hero loses, you, the bad guy gets away. This is a moment where, just like in life, sometimes the bad guy just walks away, scotch-free. There's literally kids biking by in this shot. Like life is going on around you. And it's just a really beautiful poetic moment that is so much more powerful because we decided to eliminate part of a scene. This is one of the most beautiful things I like about editing. You were managed to talk about a single cut for about five minutes. <laughs> and this is why I love this because that's how much can be said just by one cut. You get the result because of the coin flip. Call it. Heads in. Well done. And so you get those results, and that's what you're then beginning to expect. Yep. And then the moment then you then do not get that result, yep. that's what's terrifying because that's what you're used to. The pattern has been broken. Exactly. And now the filmmakers, I think Joel and Ethan Cohen, right? Yep. They are now creating this really, really engaging, well, engagement by simply withholding the information, withholding the answer exactly. to that result. And now, because since we've that pattern's been broken and the information's now being withheld, that gets us so emotionally engaged that you can have a pretty normal shot of someone just walking out of a house yep. and we're begging to know what happened. Exactly. That's beautiful. That is the director's trust in the audiences and giving the opportunity to make their own idea of what happened. That is done by withholding information and by setting up those patterns and then breaking it. Yeah. That is beautiful filmmaking. And as you've seen, there is so much implied meaning, so much interpretation, so many really interesting ideas just because of a single cut. Yeah. That is beautiful. What a great choice. It's a cut that has stuck with me for a very long time. But also to contrast that, I do want to talk about 12 Years a Slave. If you don't know, 12 Years a Slave is a story about 
a guy who was a free man and then through some unfortunate circumstances gets sold back into slavery. To Solomon. Cheers. Cheers. He is dealing with really harsh masters and being wrongfully accused of certain things. He ends up getting into a brawl with the master, beats him up, and then the master comes back with a mob and decides to try lynching him. So the main character is literally about to get lynched and then some savior comes and uh, chases off the mobbers so he doesn't actually get killed. You got no calls! The proudest man and man to do with us, I'm pleased! You touch. Right when those guys get chased away, we hang on this wide shot where he's just stuck in the mud for about a minute and 24 seconds. where he's just like barely hanging on for like his life. There's no music. All you hear is source sound. So you just hear birds chirping, you hear kids playing, you hear just a normal life going on. But there's this guy just sitting here about to die, like just sitting in front of us. And this is a moment where I love this cut because we choose not to cut. So because we choose to hold on a shot rather than cutting, we still get the same emotion. And so editing is just as much of here we should cut to create this emotion or we shouldn't cut to create also the same emotion. There is a discipline to that cut, isn't there? It just kept going. Just kept going. It could have been very easy to make this a dramatic thing. Push in, push in, make it dramatic, swelling up the music. But a director went, no, this is a real moment. And of course, also it's a reflection of history as well. And so it's tasteful to not dramatize and make that melodramatic. And so that's a really, really great discipline to do that as well, because this is a reflection of history. Right. You're begging for it to cut. Yes. There's two implications there. You're begging for the cut, and also that means you're also now begging for the rope to be cut as well. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then bottom line, movies should make us feel in the same perspective as the main character as well, or if that's the director's choice to do that. And so despite it being a wide shot, also the fact that it is simply not cutting, it really puts us into that same perspective of him where this moment feels like forever. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, you're right. That They didn't cut for a minute and a half, but I just think you remember that shot felt like an hour. They did eventually cut, yeah. but the scene wasn't over at that cut. So the next shot that they cut to after a minute and 24 seconds is him in the foreground, dirty in the foreground, and then a bunch of kids playing in the background, just, just telling us like, hey, this is a normal thing. This happens like every day. So even for the children, death being right in front of him, and that's just a normal thing. This is a normal thing of life. And then there's a, a woman that comes out and tries to give him water, and then she scurries away because she'll get in big trouble if someone sees her doing that. And then my favorite part is actually how the scene ends. I know I'm talking about more than one cut, but my favorite <laughs> part is after, because he was literally sitting there for hours. So the way that they cut the scene made time elongate, essentially, and mm -hmm. we get to sit here with that. And as an audience, we get to to watch and be like, and feel like we're literally watching this for hours. It's like a two minute scene, but it mm -hmm. feels so so long when you're watching it. Yeah. And so eventually, a master that's on his side comes back, cuts the rope, and right when you hear him hit the dirt, we cut immediately to him laying on the floor in the house. <laughs> and those two or three cuts at the very end of the scene are so quick. 
And so there's so much contrast between a minute and 24 seconds and mm -hmm. like a couple seconds, a few frames where he's getting cut. So they're having the lack of cuts and making us beg for it. And then when we do get the cut in the rope and then also in these literal cuts, it's then overwhelming as well really does help put us in the perspective of that character. They're trying to make you feel exactly what the character feels. And it's so, and just, it's simple. It's just with editing. The reason I wanted to compare those two films mm -hmm. was first because one is a is a, a cut and one is a lack of a cut. Yeah. But then also it's more so the emotional effect is the exact same. At least the emotional effect of those scenes are the exact same because they're saying this is what reality is. Yeah. They're not trying to play up to emotions. They're not trying to add a music cue to make us feel a certain way, mm -hmm. which is what most Hollywood blockbusters do. So the fact that you can emotionally affect somebody that much by simply just playing a clip that's exactly how the clip was in real life mm -hmm. is crazy to me. That's one of the things I do love the most about editing. It is, yeah, what you can simply show with just one clip and the length of it, how short it is or how long it is, and then the comparisons that you can make or the contrast you can make with the next cut, it really is, can be as simple as that. Yeah, that's the language of filmmaking. That's yeah. literally what filmmaking is. It's yeah. one shot and then another shot. And then what's the meaning? It's that the coolest shot effect. That, yeah, it's the coolest shot effect literally perfected. That was what they could do at the start of the film industry. They didn't really have the privilege of what we can do as editors today. And so that is what they had to do. And so they have mastered that craft. Yeah. And then movies like 12 Years a Slave and No Country for Older Men is still giving a love letter to the discipline of editing where what happens with just what this shot and you cut to this shot yep. and the length between cutting to those next shots, what implied meaning that can bring. Right. Those two examples are perfect examples of that. Yeah, yeah. It really can show sometimes simple is better. We are tempted to go big because we can, and it's, yep. a, it's a Jurassic Park problem. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. This is a great example of keep it as simple as you can, and you yeah. can probably imply and show an even bigger meaning. So, hey, I'm so curious. Let okay. me know, what is your favorite cut of all time? Um, I know we talked about just some of these simple edits that, that have really personally affected me but I'm curious to know. I feel a little bit embarrassed now because you're talking about two very big, emotional, impactful cuts. And mine's a comedic cut. No, I love this. <laughs> this is so perfect because there's so many amazing cuts that um, span the huge variety of emotions that we yeah. feel as humans. So I'm so curious. This is introduced by a friend of mine back in uh, high school. And he introduced me to this group called Monty Python. I love Monty Python. And he showed me this movie called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And for me, this is what made me understand comedy and editing. This is one character who's wanting to attack this castle. <laughs> you already know, you I know, what you it already is, know which cut I'm talking about. <laughs> but this is also one of those cases where I'm pretty sure they found this joke in the edit. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was particularly in the script or at least something, there was probably a small joke that they found and they had in the script and then made it a massive joke in the edit. So let me break this one down for you. We get the establishing shots of this castle. It's very calm and it's very beautiful. They're having a festival. Everyone inside the castle is having a lovely day. And then we then cut to the guards outside, just keeping an eye on, making sure everything's okay. Then suddenly, it cuts to these drum-type soundtracks. And we see a wide shot of John Cleese's character running up a hill. And then the drums imply he's coming in for the attack. His body language and actions also imply he's coming in for the attack. So we get that sense of anticipation. We then cut back to the guards and they're just chilling. It cut back to John Cleese. It's the same drums, but it's the exact same shot. We have seen this shot, but it's the exact same action, the exact same set of him running up that hill, the exact same moment we cut back to the guards. 
It cuts back to John Cleese one more time. It's the exact same shots again. The setup and the pattern has been established. Okay, so we're getting the same shot over and over again. So here's the pattern. What, what does this imply? And again, we cut back to the guards again. It cuts back to John Cleese one more time. <laughs> and you're like, okay, what? what? It, you, you kind of get confused a little bit now as well. And then it cuts back to the guards one more time. When it's kind of back to the guards, it's kind of also the exact same pace. So let's just say, I think it's like three to four seconds and it's pretty much the exact same shot. And then coming back to John Cleese is the exact same pacing of that shot as well. And so we're getting a repeated pattern in the rhythm. Yep. And then I think it's like on the fifth or sixth time, it cuts back to the guards. We're now expecting that three to four seconds of them just chilling. But within one second of cutting back to them, John Cleese appears out of nowhere, goes, ha-ha, and then just stabs the guards. <laughs> and it's brilliant. It's the fact that it's the exact same shot. He is my he looks like he's on the horizon pretty much. He's miles away. It's the same shot repeated over and over again. So he's very far away. The guards are not particularly reacting about it. And then suddenly John Cleese skips time. And there he is, haha, kills him and then runs off and then starts attacking the entire castle. The fact that they used spatial geography and rhythm in comedy as the joke is brilliant. Spatial geography as the joke is incredibly rare. It's probably yeah. one of the only the few times I've really seen that type of comedy. Yeah. So basically using the language of filmmaking that we're used to and then using that to make a joke. Genius. And they did that on, wait, let me remember what year this was. This was, I think, maybe the early 80s and they were having that type of meta humor. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like so ahead of their time. Monty Python are known for like so many of these types of jokes. But that to me was my introduction to comedy. I love that. It's just, it's literally subverting expectations. It's exactly what that is. So you start to create a pattern. You say, okay, this is what's happening. He's coming up. And it also just repeating a shot never happens in filmmaking. Never. So you're already very confused. You're yeah. like, okay, what is happening? This is really weird. And it's funny because I actually tried to replicate that sp same spatial joke mm -hmm. in a music video I directed. I did a horrible job. It did not work. <laughs> There's this guy like playing tennis and he's fighting with his friend who's playing video games on the side. He's like, I want to play tennis. But I want to play video games. And he goes ahead and um, talks to him. And then we cut to a close-up of the dude playing video games. And then I cut back to a reverse of the guy. And he's like standing right over him. <laughs> so it's just like he jumps in, in, in time. But Monty Python did it so much better. The key is those repeated shots. Yes. Like without that, it wouldn't be funny. And that was my mistake. So mm. I didn't repeat shots. Mm. And because of that, my joke didn't land. And I'm literally just realizing that now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I, mean, it, I tried it, but it didn't work. Sometimes you have to analyze the deeper meanings of it. And I yeah. mean, in that case, yeah, now you know probably how to make that joke. It's really funny because I've done the exact same thing. I've made that editing joke on YouTube. Fuck. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> okay, fine. I owe you $100. I've did that joke in a Mr. Beast video as well, where one of the characters, Matt Pat, was talking about how he's going to hide. But I didn't have the footage of Jimmy who was one of the seekers finding him. And so I then used the joke of cutting towards the map of Jimmy's icon moving towards Matt Pat. But sometimes you can get lucky. Steps to the perfect hiding spot. Hop over the top, climb in. It is the perfect hiding spot, perfect. And while Matt Pat was climbing in a trash can, we got him. And it was a repeated of that shot. And I brought in the music, da, 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 like the escalation <laughs> of the music. So I did make my reference. I managed to reference Monty Python in a Mr. Beast video. That's so cool, Hayden. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was a really 
oddly cathartic moment of me being able to replicate that joke in a Mr. Beast video. And I'm so glad I managed to do that. And that's what I mean by like inspirations. I'm like that, that yeah. was me kind of to a degree stealing like an artist a little bit. Yeah. Those are the two, well, three best cuts we think we've seen in our lives. That's media that with that has existed for a couple of years now. We also need to ensure that we're looking at media that's being made today. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I would say this year. So I've been to the cinema quite a few times. I've called you out a couple of times. We're not going to the cinema enough. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask you for the media that you have seen today. And again, we haven't seen everything yet, but what is one cut? that makes you go, that was brilliant. So we haven't seen everything, but I did see everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I really honestly haven't, I mean, my my movies are single digits that I've seen this year. Still one of my favorite movies of all time. We've talked so about it before. We're gonna have, I, I have to go back to it. My favorite cut is when the movie ends. And it just says the end in the middle of the movie. And then it starts playing the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was just such a fun, funny editing joke. That's not actually my favorite cut. But it's I great, really… It's a worthy mention. It's a worthy honorable mention. I thought yeah. that was so creative. I and it. I was actually fooled. Yeah. Like as somebody who is… Like I still had that thought like, oh, is it done? No, it's not. No. Yeah, well, is it? Because… The movie had already gone on for like an hour and 10 minutes at that point. So yeah. like that that can be a natural way time for it to end. And so I was like, wait, do I get up now? Yeah. And I they used all the tropes of telling the audience, this is the end. You had the wide shot that we yeah. were zooming out of. We yeah. had the music swelling. Yeah. You have all of those things that we're used to as an audience to say, hey, here's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Honorable mention, but what is, is the best cut So in the this movie? best cut is, I think, the most creative way that they showed Evelyn going through all of the universes where it's literally just match cutting her face yep. to a bajillion things together. So we had things like a cat, an yep. alien, yep. her being animated, her in space, yep. a statue, a baby, a man version of Evelyn, a nun, a nun but with a skeleton face, a tree, grapes, an Easter egg drawing of Evelyn, a white guy with a tennis graphic. I love LUV tennis. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They were just literally making stuff up yeah. at that point. And I just thought that was so creative. Whereas Doctor Strange, you know, they had these crazy VFX shots of them smashing through uh, into different Which is still a great universes, sequence. Which it's, is incredible. Like, yeah. the CGI was crazy. <laughs> way that they use creativity mm -hmm. instead of, hey, let me just throw a bunch of money and make like a cool effect. They mm -hmm. use creativity in such a powerful way and simplicity to be able to essentially mm. relay the same message, but in just a really refreshing way. They had to be creative because they essentially had only one shot. They yeah. got one still of Evelyn and then they had to then composite her in many different, different scenarios. But one of my favorite moments in that sequence is that one of them is actually a still of her, of Evelyn from the green screen. And it's a Zoom call of the VFX team discussing what the next shot is. Yo. That's one of the stills in that sequence. Because even that is so creative as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is a much more visually interesting way of showing the sheer multitude of the multiverses. One frame at a time. Yeah. Um, a universe per frame. It's the same way with Doctor Strange when it's trying to have a visual representation of the sheer amount of multiverses that can exist. Yeah. Both of them work incredibly well. Both of them have the same intent, but I would also agree that the choices that the directors, the Daniels made in making everything all at once 
I think really sold that idea significantly better. The, right. Str- the Doctor Strange method is still brilliant as it's well in its, in, in its own way. Fantastic. I still watch that consistently a lot on YouTube as a great full source of inspiration. But also with this, yeah. I, yeah, I think especially with, especially Hayden, with you also just having- said, You just said YouTube. I was wondering why you were reacting to me. It's like, wait, did I say something poignant? No, it was like, <laughs> it was like no, it was, that was a, it. That was kind of a cheap one. Though, that was a cheap that one, was a okay. Cheap one. Okay, but I think the point still stands. I think the Everything Ever All Once, a phenomenal way of showing the multitude of multiverses. Yeah, that moment has stuck out to me. I'm going to remember that forever. And that was my favorite moment of the year for sure. Absolutely. So what about you? One of the best movies I have seen this year, I think it's my third movie, third favorite movie that I've seen this year, is Jordan Peele's Nope. This movie is a really interesting exploration towards uh, spectacle and the human desire to capture spectacle on camera. And I think uh, as a creator on the web media, I can understand that experience. Mm. For me, there was a very specific moment in this movie where if I was in a cinema, I wish I was able to pause it because I genuinely needed to stop and process that moment. So they were having this conversation with Stephen Young, who was a child actor. And he experienced a very traumatic experience with the set going completely wrong. And it was in the case of they had a monkey actor who got spooked and proceeded to kill everyone. You haven't seen the Bad Gordy sketch on SNL? I mean, it pretty much nailed it better than I could. What is interesting is that the two characters are asking him about this and they're so fascinated and they're so like, wow, tell us a story about this experience that you had. And Stephen Young is sat down in this chair and he's like very casually and very comfortably talking about it. But then as he's talking about it very casually, it then abruptly cuts to the traumatic experience. Killing on that stage. And then immediately cuts back to adult Stephen Young. And there's this micro beat of silence where he's kind of like remembering it. And then he continues telling the story like happily and joyfully. And for me, that was incredibly powerful because we are beginning to have the conversation about uh, us chasing spectacle. And then also us getting interested in the spectacle of someone relaying their traumatic experiences. And then I think the cultural obligation that people have to talk about the traumatic experiences with a smile on their face. And there's a brief moment, and us as the audience, we see that brief moment where he feels that pain. Yeah. For that very it's brief moment, but then has to continue putting that smile on. Wow. And for me, that's a really, really fantastic way of, well, exposing a hard truth about people who love to talk about spectacle, who love to hear those stories. And I think for me, if I am completely honest, I do relate to that moment dramatically as well. I think that is why for me personally, that shot was actually for me one of the most relatable shots, cuts that I've ever experienced because that is something that I struggle with as well of people wanting to hear about the spectacle experiences that I've had that have been quite difficult for me to actually talk about. Wow. And so literally, I just had that moment right this second. I think that cut was one of the most visually like emotionally cathartic representations of the experiences that I've had. That cut made me feel seen in an interesting way. That's the best way I can describe that cut. It is so cool that literally with one cut, with one edit, there is so much meaning ingrained in it that you can be seen as a human because the human experience, though there's people around all the time, everybody has a different life and everybody can tend to feel alone. Like loneliness is so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see one edit yeah. and say, oh, somebody else feels that too. Like somebody else has that exact same somebody experience. Somebody else understands somebody, that experience. Yeah. yeah. That is just 
so mind blowing to me. Yeah. That filmmaking and storytelling has that power. It is a message for a lot of people. Like I'm not I'm not the only one who has to talk about difficult experiences with a smile on their face. Right. And so I think a lot of people probably really uh, appreciated that moment. And I think it's, it's those moments in film that are very important. Film has such an ability to capture the human experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I loved Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's mm -hmm. like, it's so existential and it asks big questions that everybody wrestles with, but nobody talks about. That's also one of those moments where it's, shoot, there's tra trauma, but you have to be okay enough to be able to just talk about it with a random person. That movie made me feel comfortable to talk about that experience. I genuinely do want to like send like an appreciation for, to Jordan Peele. Like you've made a phenomenal movie and I really do appreciate the message that you put out there. Very important message of chasing spectacle and losing sight of reality. And I think it was a phenomenal movie. And so I think I just want to say just Jordan Peele, just thank you for making a fantastic movie. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really glad I got that off my chest. That's why I wanted to talk about it. That's so cathartic. Thank you so much for being vulnerable too. And, and mm. I know it's it's so hard to talk about those traumas. Movies and stories can get into very, very private parts of our brain. Yeah. And so I think it's very cool and very inspiring to me that you're able to talk about that and share that publicly and say, hey, these are things that I think about when I'm being emotionally affected by a story. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for that. So that's that's brave of you. I, I really appreciate that, that gratitude. Thank you. And I and I thank you for the gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, we just do a gratitude thank you. Hey, yeah, no, I appreciate you. you. I appreciate <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> but also I want to ask about what cuts are you thankful for? What a transition. Boom, what? okay, somebody. <laughs> but before we get into that, a word from our sponsor, Stir. Stir has many amazing tools to help editors and creators run their businesses better. But the most important tool that Stir offers is automatic revenue splits. Stir allows creators to automatically split up their AdSense revenue with as many people as they like. Instead of editors getting paid a set rate, regardless of how the content performs, we're now taking a page out of the traditional media book in back-end points, which means that that talent is gonna get a percentage of the royalties if the film does well. But now, because of Stir, the same is true in the YouTube space. Top creator-editor duos are already using Stir, like Ryan Trahan with his editor Zach Levitt, and Arak with his editor Mac. You can set up automatic splits for your whole channel or just for particular videos. It takes less than a minute to set up, and with Stir, your team gets paid at the exact same time with total transparency. So hit the link in the description to join the platform where creators earn together. Thank you so much, Stir, for sponsoring this episode. And now back to the conversation. What cut have you done in your life that yeah. you would say that is the Jordan Norm cut? What is the best cut that you have ever made? So I do mostly music videos and commercials. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to tell full stories to really emotionally affect people in short form. My favorite cut, though, is in a music video. And it's the reason it's my favorite is because it captures a relatable emotion, I think. Yeah. And so there's this music video. It's called We Don't Have to Know by Kelly Holiday, And the director's Ben Dean. He's an awesome guy. We shot it on 16 millimeter. He literally just ran around with a film camera and just shot this like ragtag band of boys that were just like skating around LA just doing dumb, stupid stuff. So it's really just like a youthful coming of age story. And the entire music video is very fast paced because they're skating. They're like taking a blunt. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, trampolining, wrestling, kissing each other in the beach. Like it just, 
nut stuff, you know, like the youth do. (laughs) As the youths do. As the youths do. (laughs) But there's this moment in the bridge of the song, which is very important in music videos because the formula is A, B, A, B, C, and the bridge is C. So it's already standing out among the rest of the song. And so what we decided to do in that moment was cut to a slow motion shot. So there was never a slow motion shot in the entire music video, except for in this moment. We cut to a slow motion shot, which is just a really long zoom. So it starts wide and gets really close in on this character. And he is just like hanging out on the beach with his boys. He's smoking some weed and just you can tell that he's in his own world. Like he's not paying attention to anything around him. He is just absolutely vibing and almost being alone in public which is really interesting. So it really just captures that emotion of being in your own world, but with friends. Yeah, I I can understand that. I don't get like almost teary-eyed when I'm watching a music video other than when I'm watching that one. Oh, really? And so that's when I know like, okay, shoot, I'm actually like feeling something in this moment, which hardly ever happens when I'm watching music videos other than excitement. I'm like, oh, that was a cool match cut or oh, that was a fancy flashy cut. Mm. But in that moment, I was like, wow, I am really actually like being emotionally affected by this and so something went right there something was magical and i really think it's the contrast of i'm being outgoing i'm being with my friends this is a fast fun music video to we're slowing down we're having it was a really long shot too yeah and so that's like the the difference in the shot length is really important Mm. so there's so much contrast between that moment and the rest of the music video and as far as being public or being private or mm. being in your own world or being outgoing, it's mm. just really, it was a really interesting contrasting moment. I think that's really, really beautiful. And I think that the way you described it is already given me a very interesting interpretation of why I think that works. It sometimes gets scary when you start being alone with your thoughts. Yeah. And especially if you're still trying to figure out who you are. And so what you do is you go out with friends and you start having a really, really great time to kind of, to an extent, distract yourself from trying to think internally. That is fine, and that is good. So that is them having a really, really good time. But if this guy then takes a hit, and then we didn't have that long shot, and he's surrounded by friends, but he's by himself, that is him actually having a moment of listening to his own mind, listening to his own body, listening to, hey, how you doing? Yeah. I'm actually okay. And like, I'm with friends, but I'm having a moment where I get to listen to myself. Yeah. I think your interpretation is dead on to what you've experienced. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a cool thing about that cut is that it's kind of ambiguous at the same time too. Like you don't know if it's positive that he's hanging out with himself. Like he could be depressed. He could be going through something. Yeah. Um, But it also could be positive. That's also one of the beauties of those types of cuts and also the beauty of not explicitly saying what is happening. Because to an extent, I think a lot of audiences... And I think case in point to what we just talked about with Nope, audiences do project their own feelings onto cuts. Yes. And I think that's what that cut does. And so if someone is depressed and they do have that long shot, this can be now him having a moment of panic. He's surrounded by friends and he's not listening to himself and he starts listening to himself and it can be an overwhelming anxiety. And so because of their state of mind and because of what they can project in the cut, they have that experience as well. And so it's relatable and a relatable cut for so many different people depending on their emotional context. Yeah, people can project their experience right on that cut. Yeah. And it's so cool. And that's why those moments like that are so beautiful. Yeah. Implied meaning can give feeling. Oh, that's so, that's yeah. so good, <laughs> Oh my God. Ew. Okay, well now, okay. Hayden, here's the time you've been waiting for where you're now allowed to talk about YouTube. Again, I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit cheeky. It's another comedic cut. Let's go. Yeah. 
So there was a mockumentary that I made with Logan Paul called Flat Earth to the Edge and Back. I want to emphasize there's a mockumentary. <laughs> and so we were playing and, and making light of the conspiracy of people believing in the flat earth. The sky is blue. Lemurs are native to South Africa. And of course, the earth is round. Logan, as the character, was interested in the concept of Flat Earth and so began investigating, going to these conferences and beginning meeting and talking to people to understand the concept. And he's exploring the idea, but he's not convinced. And he meets this one lady and they start flirting and then they go on a date and they can just talk about Flat Earth and Logan's kind of falling in love. And then they sit on this patch of grass, they talk about it a little bit more and they share a beautiful, intimate kiss. But then in the script and in the footage, we then cut to Logan in the next scene going, hey guys, I've fallen in love. I believe in the Flat Earth. And for me as an editor, I wasn't convinced of that change. Hmm. It was just like, oh, so you're telling me that you now understand it. I didn't feel that change. And so I then started going through the entire story of like, how can I then showcase that change that he now gets it? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more beautiful than the first kiss. That wave of dopamine that you get when you have, uh, when you start sharing an intimate moment with someone. And it feels like suddenly you're in love for the first time, every single time you have a first kiss with someone. And that moment of, I could do something with this. And so this is also me using the cooler shaft towards its best capabilities. So I drop down the music. There's this moment of silence, this microbeat where they look at each other. We as an audience begin to anticipate something. They start moving in for the kiss. I start swirling up the music. And in the moment they touch lips, I then cut to one of the most ridiculous montage sequences of stock footage of the earth. I'm having this massive, like ridiculously over the top, but beautiful sequence of everything about the earth, like really encapsulating yeah. one of the best beauties. If it is something you feel like on like on a BBC nature documentary. Mm -hmm. And then one of my favorite moments is then we then start zooming out from the earth, out and through the clouds. And as the clouds come out, we go into space and it's a reveal of the flat earth. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro. Logan gets it. And us as the audience now see that. A kiss makes him understand the flat earth. Because again, as the sequence ends, they then break the kiss. Oh, you come yeah. back to that. I come back to the kiss. So they're coming for the kiss, the moment we touch lips, we have the montage, it's beautiful. We reveal the flat earth. And as we cut back to them, that's when the kiss breaks. That's what I mean by that epiphany moment of a first kiss, when everything suddenly makes sense when you have a first kiss with someone. Yeah. And I wanted to use that to then represent how Logan as the character understands the flat earth. Yeah. And then the next scene, as he then talks to his friends, hey guys, I understand the flat earth now, feels so much more impactful and clear now. I, I might be in love. What? Like she might be the one. She's so smart, bro. Because I use editing to imply the meaning. I use editing to imply the character change rather than him telling the audience. It's really important to sometimes just show the audience what's yeah. going on instead of telling them because that's where the power lies. That's, and that's where, where the, that's the fullness of the language of filmmaking. Yeah. The language of filmmaking is one shot and then another shot and then another shot and you create meaning from that sequence. And the ability that you have as a filmmaker to literally not explicitly say what somebody is thinking but show what somebody is thinking in the spans of a millisecond of a kiss is yeah. incredible. And you use that, you use the power of filmmaking to its full potential right there. Yeah. And so I just want to... Give you a little high five for that, brother. Okay. Oh, we love editing. Who Dude, knew? We love editing. I think this is a great invitation for people to also comment. What is the best cut you've ever seen in your life? Yep. What is the best cut you've seen this year? 
And if you're an editor, what is the best cut that you've ever done? Yes, let's get the conversation going in the comments. I would love to see that. And then maybe we can follow that up on another episode. Yeah, that would be so fun. 